I'm so glad we're together on such a, what is supposed to be, weather-wise and otherwise, a very bizarre primary election day. Get out and vote. Exercise your franchise now. The stormage, apparently, is now not scheduled till later. But it is bizarre. It is so mild out, 58 degrees at my last checking, uh, and it seems uh, it could be a little gray. We wish the sun was shining a little more, but it doesn't seem at all to be foretelling the stormage that they've talked about being a strong possibility coming our way later. Now, of course, this is Michigan. We've had plenty of times when we've experienced all four seasons within hours of each other, and this being Michigan, that could all change. Maybe we won't get any rain or trouble. Who knows? We don't know. The only thing we know for sure is that we are here for you Monday through Friday from noon till 2. You can stream us from everywhere and anywhere, and I hope you will. WJR.com, WJR app, the list goes on and on. And to hear some uh, what we like to think of as some great interviews would be to go to thegreatvoice.com and uh, and to uh, if you for example if you go to thegreatvoice.com you will hear our interview from yesterday i thought it went well i i will leave that for you to decide but united states senator joe manchin of west virginia was on with us starting the show very beginning and he's very impressive and though he says he isn't running for president there are a number of people who saw him at the uh, at the uh, event yesterday, the Detroit Economic Club. And um, there are those who came away, most notably my friend John Fickney, who's pretty much uh, involved with a lot of things and has uh, lots of knowledge, said he thinks he is running, just waiting for the right moment. Whatever, I would, I would welcome him to the stable of uh, presidential hopefuls. Now, speaking of that, the only other thing I know for sure is if you stay tuned to this fine radio station, you will hear from former President Donald Trump once again on WJR because he knows how important this radio station is in the great state of Michigan, and he certainly is aware how important the great state of Michigan is to his fortunes. And so Chris Renwick will welcome the former president at 2.18 this afternoon. We will check in with Chris at the end of this program to see... uh, you know how that uh, that conversation went. Oftentimes these interviews are taped ahead of time because of scheduling issues, and we know for a fact that the interview took place. You just heard about it on the WJR All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz, and you'll hear about it again a little later at the end of this program and then hear the actual interview worth listening to at uh, 218. Yes, it is primary election day. The uh, the The polls are open. Till 8 o'clock, there's a lot of bizarre stuff going on, but not stuff we haven't seen before, with voters uh, maybe taking a pass on either candidate, uh, trying to, uh, well, we're going to get into that. I don't want to talk about it now. Jocelyn Benson, our Secretary of State, is coming up next. So we will will get into that and a variety of other uh, issues. I uh, have Dave Rieger, our producer, Danielle Mason, running the board, as they say in the business, pressing all the right buttons so that you can hear us and our guests. And then Rich Luzinski with our WJR traffic and weather first for this primary election day. Get out and exercise your franchise. So we've got uh, President Trump and President Biden at the border Thursday together. I mean, watching Biden all of a sudden find all these things to be important is kind of embarrassing, and I take offense that all of a sudden he feels these things are important and acted like he's been working on the border and all the rest of these things that have been uh, going on. Pretty uh, amazing, especially in light of another Biden migrant first sexually assaulting a minor and getting out. And, And in fact, he's got a rap sheet a mile long, an illegal migrant, illegal alien, call him whatever you will, that's what he is. Only the worst part is he's been in our legal system and released. So there's a lot of blame to go around, starting with President Biden. 
and then he ends up killing a nursing student. But he was arrested several times before that and released into our country. That alone is so unacceptable. Well, you have to make your own decisions, and I know you will, and I, I appreciate all of that. But uh, my goodness gracious, uh, that, you know, somebody uh, said, well, you're going to hang your hat on the, the dog biting 24 people at the White House. I'm not hanging my hat on that. I'm pointing out that it tells you a lot about the character or lack thereof of character for somebody who holds on to a dog that bites 24 people. What makes it worse is 24 people who are hired for too little money to jump in front of a bullet and protect your family's lives. To get bitten 24 times indicates to me I could not support that man for anything. I'm appalled at that man. The fact that he is the current president of the United States is just too much. All right, uh, question here. Dave Rieger, Daniel Mason, Rich Luzinski, if you're anywhere close to a microphone. Am I the only one who was not aware of what has been called, apparently, Antarctica's Doomsday Glacier? Anybody else? Never heard of it. No. I, I've never heard of it. I try to stay on top of it as much as I can. You haven't either, Dave. I have not heard about this, no. New findings on Antarctica's Doomsday Glacier provide alarming insight into how its collapse could cause catastrophic global flooding. The massive glacier, which is roughly the size of Florida, is melting at an historic level, of course, due to climate change, and they say it could raise sea levels by several feet. Oh which would not be a good thing. But, of course, we have no idea if this is true or not because those same people, those climate change alarmists, said the world was going to end as we knew it about a year or two ago, and, well, that hasn't happened yet, has it? I mean, as far as I know. I live in a cave, so I'm not always aware of everything, but that's... You got a kick out of that, Danielle. I appreciate that. Yeah. You live in a cave. I live in a simulation. It's, well. <laughs> there, there we are. It is what it is. And I, I believe that I'm having a bad dream. I guess bad dreams are called nightmares. With less than four days to go until a key deadline to extend federal funding, Congress has initiated the formal process of preparing for a partial government shutdown again? This is kind of, you know, a part of their job is keeping the government operating for our sake, safety, and benefit. And yet here we go again. It's just astonishing to me. I mean, I just, I have nothing else to say. I really have nothing else to say. There's nothing else to say except they're losers and not doing their job, many of them. Which is unfortunate because when we meet them one-on-one here in person, they seem like normal, good human beings. When they get together as a body in Washington, they seem to have no clue as to what they're doing. Has anyone else felt that? I have. All right, the headline in our great Detroit news, the clerks hopeful of faster results. Well, let's talk with our fine Secretary of State for the great state of Michigan, Jocelyn Benson, up next to talk about today's election and what she's expecting. All of that here in Focus with Paul W. Smith on WJR, up next. Oh, by the way, Anthony Bellino is uh, co-hosting with me tomorrow as we're again with the folks at the Detroit Economic Club because uh, Steve Gregorian does such a good job getting so many good uh, stories and people together. It's all Red Wings uh, tomorrow. And Anthony, uh, as you just heard, with Lomas Brown doing sports rep uh, Monday through Friday from 6 till 7, does a great job. And we're looking forward to uh, Anthony being with us tomorrow with that broadcast at the uh, casino Uh, Motor City Casino and the soundboard. Okay, here we are. We know now that uh, the polls are open. They'll be open till 8 o'clock. 
We are uh, hoping, presuming there'll be no problems, but we'll get some information on what to do if that does happen in the unlikely event. And we're proud to welcome uh, Secretary of State for the great state of Michigan, Jocelyn Benson. Madam Secretary, welcome back to the Paul W. Smith Focus Show this afternoon. Hi, Paul. Great to hear your voice and great to be here with you. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, things things were a little different. This, I believe, was the first statewide offer for early voting as opposed right. to, uh, you know, the voting people would do in the past because they weren't going to be around or whatever. And then people figured out they didn't have to really prove they wouldn't be around. So they did the absentee voting. This just kind of got around all that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, back in when I first took office in, in 2019, we only had really one day of voting on Election Day. Now voters have voted to expand those options, and you can vote from home and return your ballot through the mail or at a drop box ahead of the election. Or now you can vote in person early, just as you would on Election Day, but before Election Day at an early voting center. And so we saw close to one million, just over one million citizens vote before the polls even opened today uh, through one of those two methods. And that really has changed things for our election system in Michigan because now we kind of have several election days instead of just one election day. Yeah. And what I thought that that automatically would mean, and it's on the front page of the Detroit News under the headline, Clerks Hopeful of Faster Results, I thought they were able to count as these votes came in so that on election night tonight, all of those votes would have been counted. But that's not exactly the way it works, is it? Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, there will be ballots that are cast early or counted or tabulated as they're cast. Uh, And there's about 80,000 of those that were voted for for today. And then there's 980,000 of absentee ballots that were mailed in. A lot of those have also been tabulated, but many of those will also come in or many more of those will also be dropped off today at drop boxes. So there's still a lot of election day counting and counting that happens after eight o'clock tonight when the polls close, but not nearly as much as there used to be. I didn't realize that they were able to count those. I I read the article and I I don't always pick things up properly, but I thought it was saying that that they had to wait until the polls even close before they can count all those ballots that were that were uh, cast earlier. Maybe I I guess you're saying that's not true. The results don't get calculated until after the polls close. So what does that what does that mean? What does that mean? That means that means you hit print results on the machine, and they they print out a tabulation of all the results, so that the ballots can be put into the machine, but the results can't be printed out of the machine until after eight o'clock tonight. Hmm. All right, very good. Glad we could get that to (laughs) clarify. Let me hope that helps. It helps. It does. Uh, And even if it didn't, I would lie and say it does. But listen. (laughs) Um, not that we plan on anything, but we always ask if something goes wrong or somebody feels they've been wronged, what are they supposed to do uh, if that happens? There's a number to call or something, I think. Yes. I mean, if you encounter any problems today, there is a hotline, 866-R-VOTE, it's O-U-R-V-O-T-E. And there are citizens and attorneys standing by to help depending on the range of issues you have questions about. And you can also go to michigan.gov slash vote to find your polling place and and answer a lot of your questions through that website as well. All right. Good advice. 866-R-O-U-R-VOTE, V-O-T-E. I I pray that there are no problems. And generally uh, speaking, there really aren't any problems, and nor should there be. Now, the, the, the big discussion, of course, Michigan is being talked about uh, across the country uh, because uh, it's an opportunity to find out how many people are supportive of former President Donald Trump and how many people are supportive of current president uh, and, and Joe Biden. And, the, you know, they are, for a variety of reasons, people are being asked to vote uh, non uh, Uncommitted, uncommitted. It's not new because if you recall, and certainly you do, uh, it happened in 1996 when then-President Bill Clinton didn't appear on the Democrat ballot, so the choice uncommitted won big. In the other primary, Republican Bob Dole achieved what was described as a resounding victory over conservative commentator Pat Buchanan. So uncommitted has been used. Now, I, I have no problem with uncommitted. That is a very legitimate choice is it not in your word 
words? Well, yeah. I mean, in 2012, when President Obama was running for re-election, 10 percent of the vote went uncommitted in in Michigan. So that's always been a way for citizens to exercise their voice and express their voice at the ballot box. And, you know, my job is just making sure everyone has access to that vote and they can choose however they wish to exercise it. And and certainly uh, there have been a number of times throughout history in nearly every election where citizens will choose to vote uncommitted. It's also early, sometimes maybe people truly uncommitted in a process where the final vote for the general election won't, won't be cast until November. Well, in, in, in places like Dearborn and many other places, the uncommitted is going to mean they're not happy with the way President Biden uh, has uh, stood for Israel at the expense of the Palestinian people and uh, lots and lots of very innocent people uh, being killed. That aside, okay, we accept the uncommitted as a very real choice. I don't like it when it appears that people are, uh, the only way I can describe it to, to you uh, is gaming the system, Madam Secretary, mm-hmm. Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of State, with us here. Uh, gaming the system to me means having people openly ask for people, Democrats, to cross over and not vote for a Democrat, mm-hmm. but vote for Nikki Haley to try to make Donald Trump lose or look bad. That's gaming the system as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? Well, look, in a democracy, voting is the way people demonstrate their power. And so my job is just to make sure they can demonstrate their power however they choose to express it in whichever primary they choose. So you would never take a stand and criticize or reprimand an organized group that is asking for people to not vote who they really want to vote for, but to cross over and use their vote as a weapon. I think citizens should always vote for who they really want to vote for and authentically express their choice at the ballot box. And sometimes people go back and forth in one election, the other in their primary choice. And, and that's OK, too. It's really up to the citizens to decide how they're going to use their power. And my job to make sure that they have access to the tools they need to express their voice. Well, that's you know, that's the right answer, because you're the secretary <laughs> of state. You can't guess or tell people uh, that they're not voting properly because they're doing something that they've been asked to do. So, I mean, what else could you do? But I had to ask. Yeah, it's their choice. It's their vote, right? And my job is simply just to make sure it's realized however they choose to exercise it. And I do hope you exercise your franchise today while the weather is still fine. No no weather excuses. Thank you once again for being with us, Madam Secretary of State for the great state of Michigan, Jocelyn Benson. Thank you, ma'am. Always a pleasure, Paul. Thank you. You take care. As uh, we continue, as I speak, I look up at one of my monitors, and there is uh, our governor, Gretchen Whitmer. I don't know if that was uh, uh, live or taped, but on uh, she was on CNN saying she wasn't sure how President Biden would do in the Michigan primary. That's uh, that's a, an honest statement and maybe even an understatement. We'll see. Later tonight, you'll want to stay tuned to WJR tonight and tomorrow to get all the the facts and figures off of uh, what happens right now during uh, this Michigan primary day on WJR. Stay with us. I I don't mean to jump the gun. I think I saw some sunshine. I think you might have some sunshine in your uh, front yard, backyard, I, I don't know. But uh, it is, uh, it's a good day to get out and exercise your franchise, uh, and I know that you will, even if it is to uh, follow uh, the people who are suggesting you vote uncommitted or the people who I think wrongfully are suggesting you use your vote as a weapon against uh, the former president, Donald Trump, by voting for Nikki Haley, who has at this moment uh, no pathway to uh, being able to win. I did also read she's losing uh, one of her big uh, money contributors. I I have it somewhere here in my notes. She's losing, because I said she'll keep doing it because there are so many people uh, who don't want President Trump um, that, uh, that they're putting money up for her just in case something changes or happens. On the other hand, the people who want President Trump will not be dissuaded. But there are people who maybe haven't made up their mind. John Selleck, chief strategist, CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs, is with us. And, and John, nice to have you back here on WJR. Let me, let me just uh, open it up with you giving us kind of your thoughts on this primary day. 
well, it's like one of these days that we're so excited to have happen, even though we kind of already know what's going to happen, and it's not actually all that exciting. The national media uh, has descended upon Michigan. I'm laughing at some of the social media posts I've seen where local media is saying they're outnumbered, you know, five or ten to one at some of these Dearborn polling locations. Um, so we're definitely going to see national media coverage of what's happening, but it's kind of like we have a machinery set up to cover a really big, complicated and competitive presidential race. And we're probably already set to go with Trump and Biden. So there won't be one. Well, set to go with Trump and Biden and the, in the Detroit News of the opinion page, uh, the one and only Nolan Finley, who does a great job as the editorial page editor and as a great uh, columnist. Uh, his headline, the presidential choice nobody wants. <laughs> and he's right. It's true. Uh, CBS did polling uh, in the last uh, month or so where 67 percent of all voters said that if Trump and Biden were the choice, uh, the system is not working. Only 8 percent said if Trump and Biden are the choice that the system is working because we have the best candidates. So, yes, there's a lot of people who are frustrated, but uh, I don't think it's apathy. I think it's accepting what's handed to them. They know they don't want this choice. It's why we see in some of these imaginary polls, if it was Gretchen Whitmer versus Trump or if it was Nikki Haley versus Trump for Biden, there'd be a different result than what we're seeing. But that's not what we're going to get. I'll veer off what I was going to ask you next uh, based on what you just said. Uh, and that is Gretchen Whitmer's getting a lot of play on the national news media today. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the possibility that we might see our governor in that position running for president. Well, I think it is a possibility. Uh, What percentage we would put on that probably would not be very high because a lot of kind of sort of crazy and historical things would have to happen. But what Governor Whitmer is doing is smart for her. Uh, And it may even help Michigan down the road. But the bottom line being, uh, if you're a surfer, you actually have to have your board out. You have to be on the water. You have to have skills to know when the big wave comes, (laughs) are you ready to ride it? And she is doing everything possible to make sure that she and her team are ready to ride it. Because I'm sure she looks around the rest of the country and goes, Gavin Newsom, if he's president, (laughs) I can be president. Oh, boy. So why wouldn't she do that? And so far, she's done it pretty well without tripping on anything you know being up on the big stage the high wire is a lot different pressure than being on that place here just at the state level and so far it's gone pretty well for her the the theory that only resonates with me so far is that biden will continue to go through the rest of the primaries he'll be nominated uh in name before the damn primary and then then he could withdraw uh with his ego intact enjoy the last six months of the uh, the presidency and the ice cream and the aviator glasses <laughs> And let the fighting happen for who could be his replacement at the Dem convention. Well, look, I've been so wrong about this stuff in the past. For example, foolish me thought Michigan would rally around uh, Romney, for example, because I thought people would think there's a great advantage of having a Michigander, or back then a Michiganian, um, elected president and in the White House, and I thought that'd be good for Michigan. Well, nobody, nobody thought that way except me. So in the same way that there are a lot of people who criticize uh, Governor Whitmer, I I believe that having somebody from Michigan goes a long way in helping the great state of Michigan. But I I, again, I was wrong last time. Maybe I'm wrong this time. But we I mean, we're so far away from that right now, or so it seems uh, to me. And the other thing that's fascinating is how many people. Are, are talking, as you mentioned a, a while ago, the world, not the world, but the, the country is watching Michigan. But yet it's a very unusual situation because of the very strong Arab population, the largest in this country, in Dearborn, mm-hmm. Michigan. Right. And, and the fact that they are going to be voting uncommitted in a completely for a completely different reason than what would generally happen in an election. So I'm not sure what you're going to learn from this. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think the media, they have, like I said, all the infrastructure and the machineries in place to cover a really busy race, and it's not here. 
So they have to come looking for the one thing that will be their hook. No offense. Like if I had to file a story tonight, I have to find out what is of interest that I can talk about. And number one, we have a lot of uh, national media discovering that, you know, Dearborn exists and that Michigan has this uh, massive population of people with Arab heritage and North African heritage uh, in Michigan and that um, they are very well organized and they're doing a really good job on their campaign to get attention for their issue. But, you know, they face a lot of hurdles, Paul W., because who actually, if we all raise our hands, who actually knows that you could vote uncommitted in an election and why you can in this one, because it's really about assigning delegates to a candidate. It's not actually voting for a candidate and how that works. And so a lot of people don't even know you could do that. A lot of people don't want to show up for this election in the first place, especially because it's so nice outside. Uh, and then you have to convince them that it's okay to vote, quote, no on President Biden and not sort of mean that you're helping President Trump, which for a lot of those voters, they haven't typically voted Republican in the past. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. The only thing I could point to as a comparison real quick would be in, in 2012 when uh, President Obama was facing re-election, he was the only one on the Michigan ballot, and 11% of people uh, that day voted uh, uncommitted. So I think for this campaign to really matter, it's probably got to at least double that to really be a thumb in the eye of President Biden. Well, it happened, uh, too, uh, with Clinton and, and Bob Dole um, in yep. Michigan, going back uh, a little bit uh, further, where, where uncommitted came out to very, very strong. That was in 1996, because President Clinton didn't appear on the ballot. But, but that's a... Whole nother story. You're right. There's a lot going on today. And people staying tuned to WJR will hear all about it. You'll hear from uh, President uh, Trump, former President Trump, with Chris Renwick at 218 this afternoon. Um, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say, if there's anything new there or, or not. But uh, John Selleck, we'll lean on you from time to time as st- chief strategist, CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. Thanks for your help. All right, and I'll keep telling everybody I know to write in Paul W. Smith. In the <laughs> yeah, p- please don't. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, John. Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, our old friend, and that upsets many people, but she's an old friend. And uh, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, Michigan 6th District, has been uh, mentioned on Fox today, was appearing on CNN. We'll talk to her up next here in Focus with Paul W. Smith at WJR. Well, it's a bizarre time. I Just a bulletin just came in that a Republican presidential candidate just dropped out and has endorsed Trump. Do you know who the candidate is that dropped out? Ryan Binkley. Who? I'm sorry, Dave. Dave Rigger, did, have I missed something important here? I'm not, not sure I've heard that name either. Ryan Binkley has dropped out and endorses Donald Trump. Okay, that's the that's the headline. Okay, very good. On uh, Fox News and CNN today, there's been a lot of talk of and with and about our next guest, Congresswoman from Michigan's 6th District and good friend, much to the chagrin of many listeners, Debbie Dingell. Congresswoman Dingell, it is always a pleasure. I know we don't always agree, but I always will respect you, and I will always be uh, happy that we're almost like brother and sister and friends for 30, 40 years. Well, Paul W., I always love being on your show. We are like a brother and sister. Your mother was an angel to me. But more than that, people can disagree but do it loving each other. And I hope a lot of your listeners aren't offended that I'm on because I want to hear what everybody thinks. Well, that's the way that's the way it should be. Yep. And you learn when you listen to people who have different experiences and different perspectives. I did not I did not see you, but uh, my lovely Kim, who you know well, and her mom, Erlene, said they watched you on CNN this morning and you were a very patriotic red, white, and blue. Still am. Yep. <laughs> you still are. Okay. Well, and then Fox News, which I tend to watch more. You know the world is divided into those who watch CNN and those who watch Fox. I try to watch them both, but it's not always easy. But Fox News quoted you, of, and they gave you great credit, of sending up flares 
in past elections and that you were correct. So, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, what flares are you sending up today during our Michigan primary election? So, it's interesting. I did not know flares had been set up on Fox, so I'm doing Fox as soon as I hang up from this. Um, You know, I think this is a presidential primary that I worked 30 years to have Michigan. And Saul Anunzis, the Republican Party chair, was very much a part of this with me and helped me this time. Uh, That there would be a large state like Michigan, it doesn't have to be Michigan, uh, that the issues that are going to matter in November are ones that are discussed in February. So we're talking about issues that are going to matter in November. I I think both primaries, everybody's focused on what's going to happen in the the Arab American community. And I think there's a significant, you know, there are a a lot of people that have wanted to be heard and they called their campaign listening to Michigan. And I think they've accomplished what they wanted to do. I think a lot of people are understanding the pain of people that live in our community who have lost family from mothers or fathers or grandparents, aunts and uncles, but also have family living there who have no food. They don't have health care. They don't have water. So I think that's there. I, you know, Joe Biden's going to win today. Uh, and, the, and we know who the two candidates are going to be in the fall. What's going to also be interesting today, Paul W., is how many votes does Nikki Haley get? Say that. How many votes who gets? Does Nikki Haley get? Everybody oh. keeps talking about. Well, Joe they're Biden. talking. They're talking about there, there's a CPAC or somebody. I can't remember who asked their voters or, or, or Democrat voters to not vote, but to cross over and vote for Nikki Haley to screw up the Donald Trump numbers. But but uh, along with that, many eyes on our primary today as a litmus test for the president, President Biden's refusal to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. And so I, I thought maybe you were asking how many uncommitted votes might be coming President Biden's way because of that. I think he will get uncommitted votes. But in the Democratic Party, we've always had uncommitted votes. That's what people don't realize. In the 2008 year, when Saul and I worked to try to get this primary moved up, uh, President Obama, I think, got 40 percent of the votes that day in uncommitted. An uncommitted vote was for President Obama. So I don't discount it. I think that people needed to listen. But I also think this is a purple state. I have said this to everybody. We are going to be competitive until Election Day. Nobody believed me in 2015 and 2016 when I said to them, that's probably what Fox was referring to. I said Donald Trump could win, and then I told everybody you that's, remember that's exactly That's exactly what they were referring to. Everybody thought I was crazy, but I was in the union halls. I was hearing people. And I will tell you that we know what we've got to do. We've got to roll up our sleeves, and this is going to be a matter of voter turnout, and we're going to make sure we turn out our votes. Would you support Governor Gretchen Whitmer for president? If she runs down the road, yes, but we know who our two candidates are this year. You really believe that President Biden's going the distance? Yes, I do. Absolutely. And I've been with him, Paul W. I know him. I spent eight hours with him two weeks ago. The man, if people would let Joe Biden be Joe Biden, they would know how good and compassionate, empathetic, and seasoned he is. All right. Uh, Congresswoman uh, Debbie Dingell, always a pleasure and a privilege. Break a leg as you go on to Fox News now. And I know you'll do a good job. We'll talk to you again soon as we continue in focus with Paul W. Smith. Part two of focus. And I'm so thrilled when you can be here Monday through Friday from noon to two. But I know that there are many people who cannot be. It's an inconvenient time for some. So that's when you go to thegreatvoice.com and download our podcast. I would heartily recommend if you missed our conversation with the Senator Joe Manchin yesterday that you uh, you uh, tune in and get that because uh, he's a, a pretty interesting fellow who says he's not running for president. Uh, Rup Raj did a fabulous job moderating the conversation. Hard to believe that he is 76 years old, but that's what he is. Still a pilot, 
still a, a outdoorsman, does a lot of stuff, um, and an interesting guy. So uh, you can make that decision yourself by listening in to uh, our podcast from yesterday on thegreatvoice.com. Stream us always. If stream us from home, stream us in the car, everywhere. Wherever you stream things, you can stream us. WJR.com or the WJR app, preferable, obviously, but there you are. Great ways to uh, follow along and listen in, especially if you can't listen from noon to two. Here, it's pretty bizarre, isn't it, that we've got President Biden all of a sudden uh, seeing that he should go to the border, right? And that it's the same day that former President Trump is going to the border. That's going to be fascinating. That'll be uh, Thursday. Is it Thursday, Mr. Rieger? Thursday? I believe it is. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. They're going to be uh, uh, hundreds of miles apart from each other, but they're they're going. And uh, it is fascinating to see how President Biden, for an election period, sees the importance of uh, taking care of the incredible problem we have with illegal immigrants, illegal migrants, including the one who just uh, shot and killed uh, a nurse, a nursing student. Unforgivable. It's not just Biden. It is Biden's fault because these are Biden's illegals. But this guy was in the legal system and let go several times. He's got a rap sheet, a long one. He's illegal. Why wasn't he kicked out of the country before he sexually assaulted a minor and then was let go and now killed a nursing student? He was arrested and released into our country several times as an illegal because under this administration, it's okay. And then they do the argument, well, this country would be nothing without uh, aliens and people coming to this country. Who That's not the argument. My grandparents came to this country. Legally, there's a big difference that, unfortunately, one party doesn't quite understand or get. So anyway, um, you see, we had a U.S. airman set himself on fire. And there are many of you who thankfully don't remember when that used to happen with some degree of regularity during the Vietnam War. It was usually a monk that would self-immolate, set themselves on fire, and die. And I, by the way, often wondered, and I said this at the time many, many years ago, geez, if you're there with a camera and you can capture that on camera, why in the world, this is before cell phones, these were professional camera people, why wouldn't you put the camera down and try to save this person? That always bothered me. I'm sure Danielle doesn't remember. Dave Rieger, do you remember these protests during the Vietnam War? No. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't alive then. Yeah. Well, you were lucky not to see it, that's for sure. You were... Lucky not to see it. All I right, thought you were going to ask me if I remembered cameras <laughs> before, before, before cell phones. Well, I, look, <laughs> those cameras. I do that. I, that I, those I do remember. You re- did you always like cameras? I've always yeah. Liked my cameras. dad uh, I always had lots of cameras. Yeah, my dad was a uh, was a professional photographer. Uh, he was. So yeah, so yeah, we were always uh, cameras were always cool about you know developing our own pictures and such. Did you go into the dark room with your dad and watch him develop? Oh yeah, we used to, we had we had a uh, dark room in our house. In the basement, wow, we used to cool. develop pictures. Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. Never quite understood it with that liquid and, you know, the process and all of that. I found, But I found it fascinating, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, what the about guy... This, uh, what about this moon landing that's gone bad? But what do you think about this, Paul? Well, you know, first of all, the first thing that sticks out to me is it's not NASA doing this. They're hiring all these other companies. In the name of the company that did this one, I, I forget it, but I saw... I saw a picture of it, and there's advertising on it. Right. <laughs> they, they sold sponsorship. Yeah. It was fabulous. It was a beautiful, soft landing. The problem is it landed on its side. Right. And now, they, now they're going to lose contact either today or tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be gone. 
After yeah. all that work, so I, and the pictures are not that good, I guess. But then I heard of a Japanese landing, and their cameras went dead, and all of a sudden they just came back on. Oh, really? Yeah. Very, very bizarre. Here's a great story, and for people who want to eat the rich, Sean Fain and others, there are very good rich people out there, more than you would guess, Sean. Um, and you make pretty good money, too, as the leader of the UAW. Just saying, guys. But did you hear the story about Dr. Ruth Gotsman, or Gotsman, a former professor and widow of a Wall Street financier, financier, I guess is a better way to say it, she has made a donation to the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx. Have you heard about this? I saw this this morning. Yes, this is an incredible story. She gave to the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx an unprecedented $1 billion donation. Right, so nobody has to pay for uh, for law school in the anymore. Medical school. Or medical school, I'm sorry, medical school anymore, she yeah got to announce that to the students, and the students lost their minds. And who wouldn't? It was cool. It was so cool. Her gift will allow doctors to begin their careers without being saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, which I know from family members that went through medical school, they are saddled with a ridiculous amount of debt that will take them years to get out from under. And now, and I don't know how they're going to, police this but now albert einstein college of medicine will not charge students from this day forward for medical school yeah so it's going to become a very popular medical school i don't know how they how are they going to i don't know how they're going to operate that how they're going to do it but god bless dr ruth gotsman or goatsman she's alive still she made the announcement yeah it's pretty cool that is a very cool thing just another cool thing that the ultra rich do that is forgotten, I guess. Nobody made her do that. And her husband didn't steal the money. He made it. Yeah, he was the old-fashioned way. Big, he was in, big in investing, if I remember the yeah. story correctly. And if, if, unfortunately, they had taught us in school, starting in grade school, how much money we all could have made by investing even a little amount of money, starting when we were young, if I would have put that three dollars i got for mowing lawns some of it into an account i could be wealthy based on that money and our kids should be doing that right now too by the way uh go figure the classic children's film mary poppins just had its rating increased in the uk it's now rating the film a pg due to the use of discriminatory language the phrase in question (laughs) is Hottentot, never heard of it, apparently a derogatory term used in South Africa. The original Mary Poppins that was released in 1964 as a G, except they didn't have Gs then, now a PG for something none of us ever heard about. And uh, the uh, the company Intuitive Machines, the people who were sending uh, that uh, private moon lander, that unfortunately landed on its side. Idaho, a magnitude 4.9 earthquake. Maine has done away with the state bird on their license plates and put a tree in its place, and I haven't read why, but it's probably not good. And that big uh, backer of Nikki Haley, Americans for Prosperity Action, says they're pausing their financial support for Haley to focus on their resources where we can make a difference. And apparently they don't believe that's on Nikki Haley. Lots more to talk about. The one and only Rocky Retzkowski will be here. Paul Gross, the meteorologist emeritus on a bizarre day, which is this one ahead of us, and Marie Osborne. And we will also talk with Chris Renwick in the handoff. He is very excited about sharing his conversation from this morning with President Donald Trump. He's going to play that at 218. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us here on WJR. All righty. Today's expected high 66, which would take us past that record, I guess, 65. We're at 63. 
mostly uh, cloudy. We uh, started out at 45 degrees. When I came on the air, it was 58 degrees. So it's a bizarre day with the potential of some pretty bad storms later, some stormage. So I, you know, go figure. That's why we have Paul Gross coming up at about 1.33, the meteorologist emeritus extraordinaire from WDIV Channel 4, to talk about all this record high temps, hail, tornadoes, 60-mile-an-hour winds. Hang on to your hats. But we'll talk to Paul Gross about that at 133. Right now, on this primary election day, 2024, the uh, polls are open till 8 o'clock. If you're in line at 8 o'clock, you're still going to be able to uh, vote. No one better to talk to on a day like today than a great American, Rocky Ratchkowski, who served both as an enlisted and commissioned officer in the U.S. Army Infantry. Uh, He spent two one-year combat tours in the global war on terrorism. He was awarded the Bronze Star Medal in his uh, actions uh, during combat operations. He's, like I say, an all-around good guy. So he's a, a good guy to talk to on a day we we remind Americans that this ability to go out and exercise our franchise did not come cheaply. It came with the investment of our treasure, in the investment of American lives, which is why we think it is so very important. Look, I know... You can come up with a million reasons why maybe you don't need or want to vote today, but fight that. I'm fighting that, too. I'm going to get out there and vote. I have to vote at a new place. I have to look it up, see where the new place is. You can do that online, by the way. Rocky, it is always a pleasure, my friend. How are you? Hi, great to be on with you, Paul W. It's Obviously, the weather isn't the only thing that's tumultuous and abnormal. So it's politics, (laughs) in Michigan especially. Politics in Michigan is in, well... Do I want to go off on this limb? I want to say, I don't know what to say. A little already, crazy I, right now. I already already have Republicans uh, not liking me for liking uh, and being a friend of Debbie Dingell. For me, uh, treating our governor like I've treated every governor <laughs> from either party. There are people who just don't understand that that's me. Well, listen, Paul W., that's, that's ridiculous. I'm, I've been friends with Debbie Dingell and Sean Dingell. We may disagree politically. We may be fighting like cats and dogs, but that doesn't mean we have to be uncivil to each other. Absolutely right. You're absolutely correct. That's how you lose elections, by by not being able to convince the other team or the other side that you've got valid points. And that's what today's presidential primary is all about. You've got Democrats voting in the Democratic presidential primary to send a message to Joe Biden. There's a lot of them that are coming out and voting uncommitted. And then there's people coming out in the Republican primary, which is kind of separated. There's there's an election today, and then there's caucuses on Saturday that will decide where the pre- presidential uh, delegates go for the Republican nominee. Look, I have no problem uh, accepting uncommitted as a very real choice when you're voting today, or ever, whenever you're voting, uncommitted. It's been used in the past. It'll be used in the future. Even for sometimes different reasons than you really are uncommitted because you don't know who to vote for, but right now it's people are going to show that they're uh, they're upset with President Biden and the way he has handled or mishandled uh, the relationship with Israel. Okay, I understand that. The part I don't like, and I spoke with the uh, Madam Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson about this, and uh, she what is she going to do? She can't nail people for doing this. Because you you have a right to vote any way you want, but I don't like the idea that there are organizations out there urging Democrats to not vote for anybody on the Democrat ticket, but to go crossover and vote for Nikki Haley to try to embarrass Donald Trump. Now, to me, that's using your vote as a weapon is not to me the best way to use a vote. That's that's true, and. What's crazy is we don't have a closed primary. Many states have closed primaries, but it really doesn't matter because this election, Republicans have basically cut up their their delegation in two. So 16 of their of their 55 delegates will be issued to whoever wins the primary today, and then the other 39 will be issued to whoever wins the caucuses, which are Republican precinct delegates throughout the state that we vote for in, in the August primary. And those precinct delegates from every precinct in the entire state will meet in in Grand Rapids, and they'll decide where the other 39 delegates go to. So really, in all actuality, there's very little that crossing over into a Republican primary will do. 
and there's very little that crossing into a Republican crossing into a Democratic primary will do. You know, it's it, Michigan is so very important. We don't get our due, but boy, today, um, the various networks, the only two I, I watch, and I watch mostly Fox, but CNN uh, just replayed again. It's gone now, but they replayed again, uh, CNN and Fox, the conversation with our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, earlier, and she appears to be playing this uh, brilliantly down the down the line. Uh, being a person who people are talking about on all these networks as a potential presidential candidate is not easy. That's a little scary to walk. Scary to <laughs> to, but I'm say, I'm not making that statement. I'm saying to walk the fine line that she has to to still be a good Democrat supporting Joe Biden. And now, uh, as we speak, and she told us just as she was coming off the air with us a few minutes ago, Congresswoman, and you mentioned uh, good friends with John, the late great John Dingell, and then Debbie Dingell is now on Fox, and she's talking about the uh, the vote of uncommitted because of Biden's choices. She's in an awkward position. Um, and And so Michigan is very important in the eyes of the rest of the country, and you better believe that when we keep hearing that the office of president in these United States has to go through Michigan. Yeah, absolutely, because we are one of those purple states. We are not a democratic state. And whoever says that, we are a purple state. We've got a lot more centrist in this state than we do have Republicans or Democrats. And and both the Republican and Democrat Party need to learn to stop attracting their, their extremes and talk to the people in the center, because those are the people that will ultimately decide who will lead this state and who will lead this country into the future for our children's future. Rocky, God bless you for using the correct term that I can't get anybody to do. It's not the Democratic Party. You're giving them too much credit. It is, as you said, the Democrat Party. That's correct. They're not Democratic at all. Well, my point is, my, my, no, but seriously, my point is, who gives them that? It's the Democrat and the Republican parties, not That's one right. over the other by saying, well, they're the Democratic Party and they're the Republican Party. But I'm glad you well, use the right terms. I'm trying to get everybody to do that. God bless you. There's some local issues on the ballot. I'm telling the people to come out and vote, and hopefully they'll vote on the Republican side. God bless you, Paul W., and have a great day. God bless you, Rocky Ratchkowski, here on WJR Focus with Paul W. Smith. All righty. I swear I see sunshine right now, and I think that would only add to the mixed bag of everything that we will experience today. And no one better to check with than the dean, really, the meteorologist emeritus at WDIV Channel 4, Paul Gross. Uh, and, Paul, it is always a pleasure and a privilege, my friend. And, man, oh, man, we got a, another weird Michigan day today, don't we? Yeah, we do. I tell you, Paul, and every time that we have a day like this, say, in February, you just have to know that there's something going on. You know, the shoe's going to drop, and, yeah, the shoe's going to drop on this one. What will that mean when the shoe drops? I mean, will it really show us like what we've experienced before almost all four seasons in 24 hours? Exactly. And we're starting off with the, well, obviously we're starting off with the sunshine and 70-degree temperatures. I mean, the record today, I think, was 63. So we, we have just absolutely obliterated the record high today. So yeah. next, we look at the severe threat. And we have a threat, we have actually two different threats tonight. One is between roughly speaking about 10 and 2 or 3 in the morning, there's going to be a line of showers and storms coming through. And this is a very dynamic system. And we have a lot of moisture coming up, a lot of good wind shear, a lot of strong wind aloft. So we have the potential for very large hail overnight, uh, very strong, severe wind gusts, even the possibility, a small chance, but even the possibility that there could be a tornado. So we have to really be aware during the overnight hours. So that's with kind of an additional surge of moisture and warmth coming in tonight. Tomorrow morning, the cold front comes through first thing in the morning, somewhere um, uh, probably between 6 and 8 in the morning. If there are any more storms ahead of that cold front, that could be a second batch of scattered severe thunderstorms. And then once that front comes through, Paul, it is going to transition immediately back to winter. And when I say immediately, <laughs> I mean, let's say you uh, head out to work at 6, 7 in the morning. It's going to feel like spring out there. 
and literally four hours later, it's going to be screaming wind, maybe some snowflakes, but 30s. We're going to go from 50s to 30s in like three hours. So, so mom and this is really this is really got, important for for, uh, for parents with kids going to school tomorrow. I was just going to say, mom and dads have got a tough job to yeah, convince let, the kids yeah. that they need to take those coats. Right. Don't let them walk out with T-shirts and shorts tomorrow. You make force them to bring hats and coats and, and even gloves because it's going to be windy with wind chill and 30s in the afternoon. It is going to be a very sharp change. It will. You'll leave in the morning to spring, and you're going to come home to winter. Oh, boy. And you feel pretty strongly about this, Paul Gross, and you have the experience, the years of experience doing what you do. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen this many times, and, you know, you just have to know that when you have this kind of a warm-up, like, say, in January or February, it takes a pretty substantial push of warm air to, to get up here, to get us to these temperatures, and that takes a pretty robust storm system to do that, so... When you get this warm, typically you know that something on the other end is going to come down not so good. And so, you know, it, it just with this kind of a storm system developing, we've got this real strong push of warm air. And, and with such a sharp cold front, you know, weather, listen, Paul, weather is about change. If you have a sharp change from one type of atmosphere to another, you know, in this case a warm human atmosphere to a colder, drier one, you know that something's going to happen around that time of change, and that time of change is tonight and tomorrow morning. Wow. Yeah, I'm, it's going to be I, a sharp one. It is. It is, and, and you're saying it with conviction, Paul Gross, meteorologist, emeritus, WDAV Channel 4. Uh, this man has more experience than anybody within the sound of my voice, and so we must trust him. And the biggest challenge will be for the parents to convince the kids that even though it's spring-like when they leave for school, it ain't going to be that way when they come back, and they're going to wish they had their coats, gloves, hats, etc. Right. So uh, I, I'm going to ask you something that I just talked about earlier that I had not heard of, and you may or may not have heard of it. Uh, have you heard of Antarctica's uh, Doomsday Glacier? Oh, is that the uh, the Thwaites? I can't pronounce it. Thwaites Glacier. I think that's the one you're talking about. It might be because it doesn't have the name here. It just says... New findings on Antarctica's Doomsday Glacier provide alarming insight into how its collapse could cause catastrophic global flooding. The massive glacier, which is roughly the size of Florida, is melting at an historic level due to climate change, they say, and could raise sea levels by several feet. Now, the average person, like me, an average person, doesn't know if this is just more of the climate change scare tactics or if this is a real situation. Now, this is a real situation. I want to explain one thing. I'm glad you brought this up, actually. This is a great educational point that I, I love to get to people. The melting of the polar ice caps, okay? Let's first talk about where that ice is. In Antarctica, that ice is on land. Antarctica is a continent. Up at the North Pole, that ice is in the ocean. There is no land at the North Pole. So when the North Pole ice melts, which it is, that doesn't affect sea level rise because that ice is already in the water. So in other words, let's say you have a glass of ice water filled right up to the top and your kitchen counter and you let the ice melt. The water in the glass does not overflow because the ice in the water has already taken up its space in there and all it does is transition from ice to water. Now you take the, take the uh, ice that's on land and that's Antarctica and that's also the Greenland ice sheet. You melt that ice, and that is water that's flowing off the land into the oceans, and that is what causes the sea level rise. And there is a very substantial amount of water locked up in that ice in Greenland and Antarctica. So this is not hocus pocus or some you know some you know uh, liberal talking point. This is something that's factually happening. And by the way, one thing people also don't understand: part of the reason sea level is rising is because the water itself is getting warmer. As the water warms, it actually expands. People don't realize that. So that's part of it, too. Professor Paul Gross, <laughs> thank you for the lesson. We greatly appreciate it, and we trust you completely. Well, thanks. And be safe, everybody, tonight. Have those weather radios set if you have one. Paul Gross, meteorological, uh, meteorologist emeritus, WDIV Channel 4, meteorological whiz. And when he speaks, we should listen, although you should turn his mic off right now so he can cough. It is 143. No, that's okay. You should have been down. 143 WJR. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the program on the road again. Noon to 2, we'll be at the Motor City Casino 
in the soundboard. And it's Red Wings Day at the Detroit Economic Club. Uh, and uh, they do such a great job. Steve Gregorian and all the people uh, from the DEC doing a great job. We'll be happily there again. We're thrilled to be the only people that are at these things. And uh, and uh, we're going to have Anthony Bellino, young Anthony Bellino, will be there with us uh, to do the broadcast because he's, uh, you know, he's a Red Wing guy. He knows all about uh, all the Red Wing stuff. You listen to him uh, at nighttime on Sports Wrap, 6 to 7, Monday through Friday, with uh, the one and only legendary Lomas Brown. So Lomas Brown and Anthony Bellino on Sports Wrap, 6 to 7, Monday through Friday. And tomorrow from noon to 2, Anthony Bellino, who started with us as an intern on the Paul W. Smith Morning Show 17 years ago, has done so well and done so much. We're looking forward to spending time with him. Chris Renwick will stop by, as always, just before his show, and he is excited to tell us all about his interview with President Donald Trump, which he will air at 2.18 this afternoon. Do not touch that dial. Stick around. You'll want to hear uh, what to President, former President Trump has to say to his old pal, Chris Renwick. Remember, Chris got to go to the White House a long while ago. We'll get into that coming up, but Marie Osborne is here. And uh, the Federal Trade Commission is suing to block a merger between Kroger and Albertsons, two of the nation's largest grocery store chains. And the FTC warns that nearly $25 billion deal would mean higher prices for millions of consumers. And uh, I just had a story in front of me, and I just covered it up wherever it went. Uh, the story is that prices are, are still very bothersome and high, for us, for the consumers, so we don't need them to go any higher. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne has some of the details on the the Kroger-Albertson story. Marie. Well, uh, Paul, let's start with, you mentioned the prices of food. Uh, this is according to government data, uh, that prices of food eaten at home typically rise about 2.5% a year, but in 2022, they rose 11.4%, and then in 2023, they rose another 5%. So if you're looking for a barometer, other than uh, your receipt when you leave the grocery store, that should tell you uh, some things right there. Well, and, and to put it in another way, Americans are spending spending more of their income on groceries than at any point mm -hmm. over the past 30 years. Right. Right. So the price and, and it's well, the concern is how quickly they're escalating. So getting back to Kroger's uh, Kroger and Albertson, Kroger has 120 stores in Michigan. They are big players here. Albertson is based in Boise, Idaho. They operate 2200 stores. Uh, Kroger's in Cincinnati. They have about 2700 stores. And together, these two companies have 700,000 employees. The FTC says that this deal would be the biggest grocery store merger in history. The company Companies agreed to merge a couple of years ago. They said they needed this merger because it would help them commit, uh, compete with the retailing titans like Walmart, Amazon, Costco. And together, Kroger and Albertson would control about 13% of the U.S. grocery market. As a comparison, a Walmart has about 22%. But here's the concern. In some cities, the merger would mean that the company would have just no competition because it would be all owned by the same company. So there would be no incentive to keep prices low. Also, the Biden administration has pushed back on some of these big mergers. Um, the Justice Department sued to block the merger between JetBlue and Spirit Airline, and the federal judge agreed uh, with the Biden administration and blocked that merger last month. The two companies are appealing that, by the way. But they think that this may happen in this case as well. The FTC lawsuit was joined by the Attorney General, Attorneys General of eight states in Washington, D.C., Paul, but Michigan was not on that list of attorneys general. But nonetheless, several, a lot of pushback on this and also from the union that represents the workers at these grocery stores because they say they they haven't been very transparent in what's going to happen with workers if this merger were to take place. So do we be, I, I've always believed uh, that Kroger treated its workers well and uh, mm -hmm. that they were they were well paid, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, is is there anything to believe but, that's not been the case or that would continue to be the case? No, the concern is the concern is that if, uh, you know, you've got two, you've got a Kroger and an Albertson, let's say, in, in the same city, and they're going to uh, merge into one and they're going to close one of those stores so that they can put all of their efforts into perhaps the larger, newer store, right? Well, what happens to those employees who were at the, the other store? They The union is saying they haven't been transparent about that, and that's what they're concerned about. They're not talking about their track record now with workers. We uh, Have you ever been to an Albertsons? I have not, no. I, nor, have, nor have but I. But there's a lot of them around the country. Yeah, and I, and I have no idea if people love them or hate them. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. We're going to have to... We're going to just have to see what's going on here. Maybe we'll hear from the folks at Kroger or and or Albertsons. Uh, with the United States suing to block their merger, uh, that got their attention, mm-hmm. and it got our attention as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Marie. We appreciate you always. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne. Again, we're putting more money into our groceries than we have in 30 years. That is a problem. Now, uh, I can tell you this. Uh, there's an interview coming up at 2.18 with, of course, J.R. Afternoon's Chris Renwick. He's going to be interviewing a guy, I don't know if they got into this topic or not, but who will say that he's going to stop the inflation and he's going to stop these kinds of problems if he is reelected president. That is, Chris Renwick will welcome in at 2.18 his conversation with former President Donald Trump. How did it go, Chris? Hi, Paulie. Good afternoon. It went well. Uh, and, and look, you've interviewed a lot of these folks, CEOs and presidents, and time is of the essence. And with so many big topics, we we, we couldn't get to everything. Uh, of course but, not. But, of but, course not. But we certainly touched on inflation. And, and, and I tried to make it you know, local uh, in the sense that today's Michigan's primary. Michigan voters want to hear from these candidates. And, and Donald Trump, you know, we, we talked about, uh, the, the issues at the southern border, the crisis uh, at, at the southern border. But we also talked about the importance of gaining uh, uh, union support. And that's something he's worked very hard for recently with the Teamsters, for example, after sure. losing out on the endorsement from the UAW. So we, we, we hit on that as well. Um, and and a, a number of other issues. So it, it was it was nice to be able to talk with him again. Um, but it's a, but in, at the end of the day, voters here in the state of Michigan are going to have a, a huge role in this upcoming election. Sure. And, as, and so I, I appreciated him taking some time today. Well, of course. And as well, we should have a huge role because we're convinced now we've heard it enough times that the 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 path to the presidency must go through Michigan. And they say pretty clearly they, that they have to win Michigan for them to get that path. Now, uh, having interviewed him before in the past and all the presidents since uh, Gerald Ford, which which President Trump did you get today? High energy, a little middle of the road, or low key? Well, uh, I, I equated it to Donald Trump it, uh, early summer of 2016 when he was really ramping up. Uh, we did the interview this morning at about 8 o'clock, but he, uh, high energy for Donald Trump today, certainly. Coming up in just minutes, you don't want to miss... Chris Renwick's conversation with former President Donald Trump at 2.18. Stay right where you are. Good job, Chris. Thank you, Paulie. Appreciate you. Stand by for news. Chris Renwick, the 2.18 interview with the Donald. And uh, don't forget us tomorrow, noon to 2 at the Motor City Casino Soundboard, the Detroit Economic Club, and Steve Gregorian doing a great job. All Red Wings. And that means Anthony Bellino, who joins Lomas Brown uh, for Sports Wrap uh, from 6 to 7. We'll be with us in the afternoon. Go on, I'll make it a great one on your way to making each and every day count. Look out for the stormage. Regards, Paul W. Smith.